0: Praise the Lord, my lords, the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord. Amen, Sr. Pastor Ransom. I need to go live on air. You are live on air, please, my lords, please. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, blessed people, uh, I needed to continue this conversation that we had uh, the other night at about 4 a.m. in the morning when uh, I came to you that the Lord has spoken with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. And uh, we saw very clearly in that conversation that uh, these announcements, these constant announcements the Lord Jehovah is bringing to you as a church regarding the glorious coming of the Messiah, that this persistent reminder that the Lord Yahweh is bringing, um, to you people, to the nations of the earth, to mankind, about uh, the glorious coming of the King, the Messiah, the the return of Jesus of Nazareth to take the glorious church, the holy church, the righteous church, the mature church, the church without wrinkle, the church without spot or stain, that uh, these persistent and consistent and relentless, continuous reminders are essentially meant to activate in you as a person tuned in listening to me, you as a believer, a Christian believer, or a church, you as the residents of this earth, the fact that it is very, very important to prepare, to prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And uh, what has come out very clearly in that announcement that I made at about uh, 4 a.m. in the morning and with uh, the relevant requisite preparations that the Lord laid before you that is needed at this hour, in that announcement you see it very clear that the Lord is saying that uh, the way I say it and I say it here today again, that after listening to the announcement on the coming of the Messiah, the way you live your life on this earth matters very much, and uh, that if you believe the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, then uh, he says, your ways have to change, you have to make amends, you have to start reorganizing your spiritual life, you have to receive Jesus, and prepare in earnest for the coming of the Messiah. And I used a benchmark scripture. I used a reference scripture that in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, but I was able to stretch it for you again by reclining to Luke 16, verse 14, where he said that everybody has heard, even the Pharisees heard, and the Sadducees heard. Everybody has heard the truth. And so you saw that uh, then the case that was laid before the Lord, that it was matter of choice. It was a matter of choice then for those who refused to live according to the instruction of the Lord. Lazarus and the rich man and those that chose to live and obey the instruction of the Lord. And we saw very clearly but when such an announcement has been made, and I've made several announcements, it's not the first time I'm announcing to the nations of the earth that the Messiah is coming. I have announced the glorious stairs that I prophesied until they were lowered into the sky. Can you imagine how much the Lord is soliciting for your souls? The Lord is longing so much that you really, really prepare well and enter His kingdom. This is because He knows very well that uh, when the day of the rapture does take place, or when you die, even when you die before the rapture, then those events are irretrievable, they are irreversible. He says, when you die before the rapture, it is totally irreversible. There is no way you can say, oh, look now, give me another chance. I'll do it better. I'll go and prepare. That was the most important message that came there, that even when the rapture does take place, it is totally irreversible and irretrievable. These are some of the most important uh, benchmarks that came out of that conversation that I had with you. And I said, it is very shocking for one to be prophesied in the Bible that one will come, that will prepare the nations for the glorious coming of the Messiah. The book of Malachi chapter 3 talks about him. Malachi chapter 4 talks about him. The book of Zechariah talks about him. Revelation chapter 11 talks about him. And then suddenly he appears. And when he appears, he begins to announce the glorious coming of the Messiah and to set forth, set forth before the generation that you need to prepare. their are standards, for are benchmarks for heaven. That you need to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that then you need to receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized in, in complete immersion in water, and also be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to say that then you need to sustain a holy Christian life and do the great commission of the Lord and complete all righteousness. I say it's a wonder that the Bible can promise somebody, and then all of a sudden that person appears. And among the works, the ministrations of that person, and then you realize there are two. Suddenly there are two. One is in the spiritual form, always constantly in the background, and then one in the physical realm. And then in the process of the administration, command the stairs of heaven to be lowered. And God lowers those stairs, and he says in that prophecy that he saw the church climbing up the stairs and entering heaven. And then, and he saw the two-stage part of that uh, event of entry to heaven when the church is taken up. And then as she's going up, the big cloud that you saw came to visit me in Kisumu, the one I called down from heaven, from the throne of God, Jehovah Yahweh, my friend. And so when he comes, All of a sudden, the second stage of that rapture is that that cloud appears, and then when they are moving close to the cloud about to enter in the sky, then the cloud opens and glorious stairs appear, and the church enters heaven. All of a sudden, that person that was promised in the Bible comes and ministers in that form, in that way, to a living generation. And they enter, the church enters, and the cloud closes into heaven, and lifts and disappears into heaven with them. It is very shocking that one can come then promise in the Bible, Malachi three, Malachi four, and Zechariah, uh, Revelation eleven, uh, Revelation twelve, Revelation thirteen. And then he appears and he now prophesies the glorious stairs of heaven, which is part of part of the cascade for the entry of the church. And then God lowers the stairs and mortal men, mortal men are able to see with their mortal eyes and even record the stairs, the glorious stairs of eternity, of everlasting life, and then post them on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, what? I thought that is one of the greatest wonders of this age, that now a generation can really lay their eyes, their eyes onto everlasting life, onto heaven, onto eternity. So God, you see, it essentially speaks about God longing beckoning, calling out a generation please prepare please prepare, come and enter prepare to enter please come into heaven and I say it there is no better scripture at which the warnings that I ingrained, entailed encompassed in this announcement are laid to bear than the scripture of Luke chapter 16 verses now we say 14 but 19 to 31 and that is the conversation I want to continue advancing and we saw that day that the Lord is essentially saying that the way you live your life on the earth here is very very crucial this earth is not a a honeymoon or a vacation center it's not the end of it all it says the way you live your earth here goes a long way to determine how you live your life in eternity when life On this world, on this earth, your life comes to an end. And he says, therefore, he's calling upon men to rethink their way, how they're living their lives on the earth. And the Lord said that in that conversation of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus covered with wounds. Lazarus was sick. You see that he was sick. he, he sick. He, He was not feeling well. He had wounds all over and then the rich man living in affluence and plenty and surplus and luxury. So you, the Lord presents those two lives. Jesus presents those two lives, that one lives the way Lazarus lived, and the other lives the way the rich man lived. And then when eternity comes, they end up in two different destinations. Their destinies are totally different. Lazarus, when he died. He goes straight into heaven. Abraham's bosom is received by Abraham. And you see very clearly that we've read before. We've read before in the book of Matthew, as the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks very clearly in the book of Matthew, as we've read before. And I open it now here. I'm reading Uh, Matthew chapter 8, and it says, uh, yes, Matthew chapter 8, the faith of the centurion, and it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. You wonder what type of paralysis is this that causes this tremendous pain? As in almost to die, Jesus said to him, "Shall I come and heal him?" The centurion replied, "Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof." The other versions it says, "I am not worthy that thou comest, that thou shouldest come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed." Look at that. So that this centurion, who is supposed to be a pagan, well perceived the authority of the Messiah, and he says. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. The the other one, come, and he cometh. And he comes. I say to myself, and do this, and do it, it," and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such faith. Now look at verse 11. I said to you that many will come from the east and from the west and they will take up their place at the feet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be out there in torment and suffering. So this is very powerful. He says that when people go into heaven, they will meet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what we see happening to Lazarus, the the poor man. eh? Lazarus, the, the, the man that was not enjoying on the earth here, he was not feeling well. He had wounds and who were leaking, the poor man, leaking his wounds. He goes to Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side, where the rich man, he goes to hell. And we saw very clearly that the Lord is saying that they, they lived two lives, Lazarus, and the rich man lived two lives, and they ended up in two different destinations. Lazarus ended up in heaven, and the rich man ended up in hell. And we saw very clearly that the Lord was essentially saying that, you know, the wealth you have, the wealth one has on this earth, cannot merit their salvation. And he says that wealth spoke in different ways than the attitude that they have on the earth. But today I want to continue advancing this conversation of the rich man and this very poor uh, Lazarus that is not feeling well, that has wounds, is sick, and living two different lives on the earth, two different destinations. But I don't know whether you realize that no matter the type of life you live on the earth, and I've said this again and again, and I've read for you scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, but have you realized that in this uh, entire conversation on how to prepare for the coming of the Messiah that I'm announcing today, I don't know if they realize that both, the Lazarus, both Lazarus and the rich man, no matter the life you live on this earth, they both die. They both have to die. Which means death is inevitable to both, to all. Death is absolutely inevitable to all of them. They both die. And so the Lord essentially is saying that nobody lives on the earth here forever. And if that be the case, then he is saying that uh, people have to prepare for their exit from this earth. The life on this earth is temporary. Life on this earth is not permanent. But nobody lives on the earth forever. Both Lazarus, no matter the lifestyle, the kind of life you live, you have to die one day. And the book of Ecclesiastes chapter eleven, verse three says, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where it falls, there it will lie forever. So the Lord is saying that he is using that scripture to make you understand that death is absolutely inevitable, blessed people. That is the message coming from there. But death does fail man. Everyone will be failed by death. Death will fail you, tuned in, facing me, fail anybody and everybody else. That's what the Lord is saying here. Because you see, both of them die. Both Lazarus and the poor man die. So meaning, no matter the kind of lifestyle or life you live on the earth, you must die. One day it must come to an end, he says. And you see in that conversation, you see, that that, 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 then the time came when the beggar died. I'm reading verse 22, verse 22 of Luke 16. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died. Look at that. And was buried. Verse 23, in hell, where he was in torment. He looked up. Meaning, he woke up. He was shocked suddenly. Opened his eyes suddenly, and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus on his side. At his side, meaning, when one is in hell, they are going to be have to to have the capacity to be able to see those who in heaven enjoying their life, enjoying peace, enjoying fellowship with God. That will really aggravate their torment in hell, because you might be able to see. He was able to identify Lazarus was able to identify Abraham, meaning those who will be in hell, first of all, it does mean the Lord Jesus is saying, it means that Jesus is saying that hell and heaven are real places. There is a real place called hell where people will go, and there is a real place, reality, real place called heaven where the God-fearing, those who have listened to the instruction and the announcement of the coming of the Messiah, and changed their ways, and made a man, and loved Christ, and become holy and righteous, where they will stay, a real place called heaven, and a real place called hell. But the other thing, the other revelation we find about hell and heaven in this scripture, that Jesus brings to your notice, is the fact that those who are in the hell are able to see those in heaven and identify them. Meaning, you are able to see some of your friends, some of your colleagues, some of the people you knew on this earth who loved the Lord, who were going to Bible fellowship when you were busy going to sexual immorality in that university. Hmm? Those who remained in that office reading the Bible said, no, can we go for lunch? He said, no, 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 I'll just remain here reading my Bible today. You know? My boyfriend is coming. Can we go for lunch? He can take us for lunch. Uh, so no, 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 I don't want to be part of that. I just want to read my Bible here at 2 p.m. when you come back. you find me here. Uh, I carried my lunch. I, boiled, I, I took the leftovers yesterday's dinner at home. I packed. I was... There are some of these people that chose the ways of God. People that you knew. You will be able to see from hell. They will be able to see heaven and what's going on in heaven. That's amazing, blessed people. Especially considering that there will be torment in hell. And he says even those in heaven will be able to see those in hell. This is what the Lord is bringing to your attention, to be able to activate you, to reawaken in you, to be able to um, to, to, to shake you, to revive you into the need for preparing well for eternity and that in that preparation you may choose to prepare for heaven. And it's amazing also that people in heaven will be able to talk to those in hell. And people in hell will be able to talk to those in heaven. There will be a kind of a communication, though there will be a rift, a chasm, a separation that the Lord has eternally placed between heaven and hell. So there's so much in this scripture here. That should really reawaken you and cause you to make a determination on to how to prepare for your eternity. Hmm? But you see that both, both the, the Lazarus and the rich man, they, they die. That is inevitable. That's one big thing, lesson, that the Lord Jesus wanted to underscore here. And I'll come back to you in the next five minutes again as we continue. This is a very powerful one. It's a mode of an extended conversation I want to have tonight. I know that there is a big celebration going on here at the head offices, but as the bishop, the senior bishops arrive, I know they are tuned in, they are gathered now, tuned in, and so forth. In the next five minutes, we take a short worship break. In the next five minutes, I'll be back and we'll extend this conversation. This is going to be a little longer today, this conversation tonight. Because I think the reality of hell And heaven that the Lord places in this scripture is what should really revive the earth. Revive all mankind, all souls, and cause you to choose to enter heaven, that we may humiliate Satan. That he may go to hell alone. Because remember, hell was meant for him and his angels, the demons. So I'll take a short break and come back in five minutes or less and proceed. But this is going to be a longer teaching today. The Lord bless you. Shalom. Praise the Lord, my lords. The mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord. Amen. Uh, can I be live on air again? You are live on air, please, my lords, please. Amen. Uh, blessed people. So, in advance in this conversation, we see here in the Book of Luke, chapter sixteen, uh, verse twenty-three. In He where he was the rich man, and he was in torment. The rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. Verse 24, he says, So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to go deep the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony here in this fire. But Lazarus replied, Son, Remember that in your life, you receive your good things, while Lazarus received only bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides, all this between us and you, there's a great root, a great chasm between us set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from where you are there to us. Then he says, He answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophet from there. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He say to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, they will not be convinced for sure. For sure they will not be convinced if someone rises from the dead. So this is a very powerful conversation that. I want to bring in, as I brought it in already, into this announcement that the Messiah is coming and the need for this generation to prepare the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And so you see now very clearly when the rich man all of a sudden finds himself in torment in hell, the rich man does place a few requests to Abraham. He asks for, he pleads, He does make his pleadings here when he's now in torment. So he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Have pity. The first request he makes is pity. He requests for pity. Hmm? And the second request he makes is that Lazarus may be sent to get some water. Meaning there's no water in hell to to touch a tip with the tip of his finger, touch some water and bring and touch his tongue. That's the second request you see right there. But you see, those requests, even another request down there, that sent Lazarus. sent Lazarus down there to warn his brothers, to warn his family that is down on the earth there. So the first request is for he, ple- he pleads for pity. He makes his pleadings there. Number one, he pleads for pity. Number two, for a little water to touch his tongue to reduce the pain, for a mission to reduce pain, the suffering he's going through, to cut down that pain and torment. And the third request is that Lazarus may be sent, sent back to the earth to warn his brothers, his family. And you see I'm trying to look for another request if it is there. And you see that all those requests are rejected. All those requests are rejected. And in the rejection, the way Jesus, the Lord, our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious name of God, the Messiah placed these requests, placed this scripture. In the context of preparing for the glorious coming of the Messiah, He placed them here. He really wanted to activate in us, in the church, in you, the church, in mankind. The fact that all these requests were denied, He said, "Have pity on me." In other words, when you look at the kind of prayer that uh, that uh, the, the, the rich man is bringing forth to Abraham. While he is in hell, the rich man himself is in hell and is crying, he's pleading. The kind of pleading, the request, the prayer is bringing forth, the cry is bringing forth, the request, the asking. He, he does, you see that he does not ask that Father Abraham, please remove me from here. So all of a sudden, it seems he has woken up to the reality that once you die, that scripture on Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, has happened. That whether it falls to the north or to the south, where a tree falls, where the tree falls, there also shall lie forever. That's why you see the rich man is not trying to ask Abraham or Lazarus or anybody, or to to send prayer. He's not even sending prayer to his brothers. He's not even asking Abraham to send Lazarus to go and ask his brothers to intercede for him that he may leave hell. He's not asking Abraham to have pity on him and remove him from hell. And he's not asking Abraham to send Lazarus to remove him from hell. And he's not asking that uh, Abraham sends Lazarus to the earth to tell his brothers to go to church and pray for him that he may be removed from hell. All of a sudden, that scripture on Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, he, it, has, it comes to his realization that that scripture has just realized in his life that once you die, it is impossible. It's impossible to change your destiny. And what the the Lord Jesus wanted wanted to bring to the fore is the fact that it's only here on the earth, only while you are still here on the earth, can you change your destiny. That it is virtually impossible after death for you to change your destiny. That is the most important message He wanted to bring to mankind, to the nation especially at this time when the kingdom of heaven is beckoning, that while you're on the earth here, you have so much power, so much authority owing to the gospel given to the nation to change your destiny, to affect your destiny, to affect your eternity. And that's why no matter the torment that the rich man is going through, you don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, come remove me from here. You don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to come remove me from here. You don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, my brothers on the earth, my brethren on the earth, to pray for me that I may be removed from here. All of a sudden he realizes, That whatever goes to hell Whatever enters inside hell Stays there forever And whatever enters heaven Stays there forever All of a sudden It came to his reality He woke up to the reality that Whatever enters here in hell It is impossible to come out and that's why the scripture in Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 3, there is no better place than that scripture is brought to life, is realized, than here. So he sends requests. He makes his request from there. That Lazarus be sent to bring him water only to reduce the pain. His only, play, his only cry there is now that the pain, the torment, be reduced. Very much aware that he cannot be removed from there. And even that request is denied. The other request he makes, the other pleading he makes, is that Lazarus be sent to the earth to warn his brothers so that they may not come to this hell, go to hell where he is. Come to the hell place where he is, to hell. But that request also of going to send, of sending Lazarus to go to the earth and warn his brothers not to end up, not wind up, to end up in the hell fire where he is, that request is also denied. So there is no request, there is no prayer request that is answered in hell. However much you cry out, However much the pleading delay before whoever, however much you cry out and plead, there is no prayer request. There are no prayer requests answered in hell. The answering of prayer happens while you're on the earth here. Once you enter hell, prayer requests are not answered there. That's another important reality the Lord Jesus wanted to bring to you, the church, especially now when the coming of the Messiah has drawn nigh, and the messenger, announcing his return, is already here, walking the earth. So, the three requests draw pity on him. To send Lazarus to bring him water to reduce the pain. And to send Lazarus to warn his brethren, the brothers of the earth, they are both denied. And especially now, if you focus now on the on the request he was making, that Lazarus be sent back to warn the people of the earth, to warn his brothers not to end up in hell and the torment he is going through. Why did Abraham? Why did Abraham? Why did God reject that request? You see the answer that Abraham gives, but Abraham replies, Son. Remember that in your life while you're on the earth you received your good things while Lazarus received all his bad things, meaning while you're on the earth you have so much power to shape your destiny. Then he says, I beg you, verse twenty seven, he answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. For our five brothers, let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Verse 29 Abraham replies, They are Moses and the prophet, let them listen to them. And then he argues there, No Father Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he said, No, if they cannot listen to Moses and the prophet. For sure, they can never be convinced even if someone like Mama Rosa resurrects from the dead and goes to them. So, why? Why does the Lord refuse the request to send a Lazarus back to them? In other words, the Lord was saying that if they do not believe Scripture, if they cannot believe the messengers, that he has sent down there. If they cannot believe the two prophets that are ministering down there now, uh, then even if someone came straight from the dead, resurrected, they will not believe. That if they cannot believe the prophets down there and the scripture that those prophets are reading down there, then even if somebody comes from the dead, they will not believe. In other words, he's also saying that if the people down there do not believe the prophets and the oracles that they are saying and their messaging, the message they have come with, then they cannot even believe in hell. Those so people cannot be even believe that there is hell. So there is no chance to change their life. If anybody does not believe in the prophet, and what the prophets are saying and becomes a blackmailer, begins to blackmail what the prophets are saying, that person cannot even believe that there is hell. So, and yet, you see in this conversation, the Lord Jesus is teaching very clearly without doubt that for sure there is a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. So if they cannot believe the scripture that the true prophets are reading down there, that there is a real place, Jesus himself said, there is a real place called hell and a real place called heaven. If they cannot believe that scripture and the oracles, the saying of those, the warnings of those prophets, Then there is no way, even if somebody came from the dead, resurrected, and brought a message to them, there is no way they will believe. And yet Jesus laid it so clear in this scripture. If they only have believed. He laid it so clear that every person who has ever lived on the earth will one day die. That's what he has laid on this scripture here. He has laid it in there that every person who has, even those tuned in, You're listening to me. Every person that has ever lived on this earth will for sure one day die. And when they die, they will for sure one day spend their eternity either in hell or in heaven. That every person that has ever lived on this earth must for sure one day die. And if they die and when they die, And when they die, they must for sure spend their eternity in one of the two places. Either in a real place called heaven, or in a real place called hell. And he's saying that if those people down there on the earth do not believe the prophets. And they are warning, the two prophets going around here. And they are warning about hell, and about the need to prepare for heaven, to avoid hell. And if somebody like Mama Rosa resurrects, and goes to them, they will still not believe. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23 says, he says, verse 22, starting from 22, many will say to me, on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform, again, in your name, perform many miracles for 33. That is what you need. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Look at that now. It says many people are living today on this earth, just like the rich man did. And they are caught up in the lull, in the deceit, in the complacence, in the lie of this post-modern world. The rich man was caught up in that. And that's the message the Lord Jesus wanted to lay before you. That many, many persons, Christians, non-Christians, and so forth, today live their lives just like the rich man lived. And they are caught up in the lull, the lull, before the storm. They are caught up in the lie, the lie, deception, and the complacency, the, 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 the heart and bustle, defending the life of this postmodern world. And yet the Lord Jesus has made it so clear in this scripture that immediately the life, this life on this earth comes to an end, and one dies. Death for sure is not the end. That immediately in this scripture you see, immediately the rich man died then his eyes opened. From where he was now he could see up there. Meaning, death is surely not the end of life. It's not the end of life. That death is simply a door. It's a transition place towards judgment. It's a door and a transition to judgment. Hebrews chapter 9. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9, it comes out very clearly that after death comes judgment. This is what it says. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. He says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that face judgment, and so Christ sacrificed, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Powerful. The two different people are mentioned there. He's saying that death is not the end. Don't say that when I die, I die. That is it. The way they say it in this life. These people. this generation. But death is actually a door. That's what Jesus is saying. To me. The Lord is saying that death is not the end of life. Death is just but the door. A door for transfusion into judgment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. 2 Corinthians, blessed people chapter 5, verse 8, he says the following. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for us. For the things done while in the body, And whether good or bad. So he's actually saying that death is inevitable. But after death, then you are confronted with the judgment seat of Christ, with the judgment of God. That death must come. That's what he's saying here, blessed people. And yet when you look at people living on this earth, sometimes you are astonished. Because you get to understand, you get to perceive that they are living their lives as though there is no death. Or as though after death, it's all done, it's finished. Everything has ended there. It's a benign state. Not at all. Luke 23, verse 43 says the following. Jesus replied. Jesus answered him. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In my Bible it is read, the words of Jesus himself, meaning really, after this life, there is a real place, a real destiny that mankind must end up in. There is a real place of destiny that every person might, must end up in after the life of this earth. That is what the Lord brings out very clearly, blessed people. So then why do people live their lives in such complacency? In a lie, in a deceit as though after they die it will be just done, it will be finished. And yet I am announcing the coming of the Messiah perpetually, continuously, and constantly. And God is speaking with me to come and warn you that the end is coming, the Messiah is coming, life after this earth is coming. Philippians chapter 1, 22-23 says the following. Philippians chapter 1, verses 22-23 says, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he talks about the fact that there is a reality. After death, after this world, after this earth, there is a reality that there is a materialization, a realization of another destiny, of another life. And he's saying that those who are believers who listen to the voice of this true prophet, the voice of the Lord, those who are obedient to listen and turn to a holy living, a righteous Christian living, to reject sexual sin, to reject the false apostles, false prophets you see on global Christian TV in your churches, in your towns, The believers that believe the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, believe the gospel, become born again, and choose holiness. It says when they die, they enter into a conscious, conscious, with consciousness, a conscious fellowship of heaven and joy and happiness eternal. Why those who don't believe, born again, but don't believe in the coming of the Messiah, don't believe the voice of these two prophets, they continue in their way of sin. Those who are not holy, they enter the conscious fellowship of pain, with pain and suffering, and judgment, and hell, and torment, as you've seen. So the Lord is very clear here, that the Messiah is coming. And so you see now, once you enter that exit door called death and enter the other realm, that is it. It's not possible to reshape your destiny again, reverse your destiny. That's why the rich man did not request that Abraham or Lazarus or his brothers pray for him, intercede for him, or try to help him and release him from hell. it's amazing, he was aware he is in hell because of the torment. And he was there, he was amazing, he's there forever. He knew that by being in hell, there was no escape. Once you enter hell, there is no escape. That is what Jesus is saying here. But there is no escape. That whoever goes to hell, has no escape. You remain there. Whatever enters hell remains there. And you cannot change the conditions of hell to make it more, better, or lighter than being reduced. No. Jesus makes it very clear. It has been set for Satan and his angels, the devil, and his angels, the demon. So there is no way the conditions in hell ever change, ever will change. And you can see that the Lord Jesus, by using this rich man and Lazarus to speak to you in this age, when the announcement is on the earth for the coming of the Messiah, he was saying that the rich man was already aware that when he was in hell, when he is in hell, he is eternally separated from God. In fact, Abraham makes it very clear that he chance him. And the way Abraham answers him, Abraham tells him that there is no hope for remission. There is no hope for reducing the pain in hell. There is no hope for reducing the suffering in hell. There is no hope for reducing the agony in hell. There is no hope for reducing the torment in hell. There is no way of reducing the state of judgment that goes on in hell. But what amazes me so much, when this young, when this rich man communicates with Abraham in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16, that we are basing this announcement on the coming of the Messiah on, verses 13, 19 to 31. What amazes me is that the Lord Jesus, the, the words I read, these are the words of Christ. In my Bible, I'm right now touching them with my fingers that in that conversation the Lord Jesus shoots out he exalts very important points for this generation to put into consideration as they live their life he makes it very clear in the narrative of the rich man talking to, to Abraham he makes it clear that you may understand as a generation that when you go to hell when you enter hell that in that place you will have the capacity to remember very, very well the opportunity you missed while you were on the earth. The Lord Jesus raises that very well in this scripture, that when you go to hell, when people will be in hell, those who will go to hell, they will be alive. They will be alive to the fact that they squandered the opportunity to prepare for their eternity while they were on the earth. He makes it very clear without the sake of a doubt that when you go to hell, you will have the capacity, the capability, the ability to remember the missed opportunities you had on the earth. That when you, to remember that while you were in the earth, you missed the chance, the golden chance, the golden opportunity to prepare right for your eternity, to prepare well, to listen to the announcement of the gospel, the announcement of the two prophets, and prepare according to that instruction, that even the cloud of God came to Kisumu, that even God beamed on them from heaven through the sun, the white glory, as they walked. The white glory was on their head. And you recorded that the Lord made it so clear that this one here, this is the messenger from heaven. This is my messenger. And he pointed the whole earth to them, to him. Go to him. He will prepare you. Go to him. He's not from the earth. He's from heaven. Go to him. He had my instruction. Even in Kishumu, he came for them. And that when you go to hell, when you enter hell after your death, then you will be alive to the missed opportunities. How you will suddenly realize how clear it was that this was Elijah. How clear it was that this was the message of Yahweh himself. The missed opportunities you had on the earth. That one Jesus thinks out very clearly in that scripture of Luke 16, 19 to 31. That when you're in hell, you will start lamenting. You will start crying. As you remember the wonderful opportunity you had to believe the gospel, to believe the announcement, to believe the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord that came to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. That came to announce the dispensation of returning of repentance, of going into righteousness, of living a holy life, that you will be alive to the missed opportunities you had, that you missed out out of joke and fooling around and blackmailing them. You remember it so well. And he says very clearly here that in this conversation between the rich man and Abraham, you can see so clearly that the rich man can now remember how he rejected the gospel while he was on the earth. How he blackmailed the messengers that were sent to him. How they blackmailed the messengers that were sent to them from heaven to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. He says, while you are held in torment, you remember very, very well forever. You know, if you're saying you remember for one day, that's something else. But they will remember forever. Forever and ever. They will remember how they missed the wonderful opportunity. And how the messengers that God sent were relentless, continuous, on a daily basis, coming live on air, pleading with a generation, free of charge. And the Lord also makes it very clear. My Bible is in red. I'm laying my fingers on them now. They're writing this statement here. This story, parable, this message on the rich man and Lazarus is in red. The Lord Jesus makes it very clear from that scripture. That those who believe the gospel of prosperity... When they go to hell, they will remember how they were sold out. They bought into the gospel of prosperity, just like the rich man did. Whereby they thought that prosperity represented God's favor. That the wealth of the earth represented God's favor on their lives. The way the present day church has taken it. The present-day church has taken it that when they're wealthy and prosperous with the wealth of the earth, then now that is their passport to heaven. That means they are walking in God's way. That's why you see the present-day churches in America, in Nigeria, in South Africa, in Europe, all over, even Kenya here, there are churches here, where, just for the wealthy, where they go. The wealth we got there, and they feel comforted and comfortable that they are on the right path. That wealth, prosperity, the gospel of prosperity, is the sign, the evidence that they are going to heaven. Just like the rich man believed. Hey. He's saying, just like the present day Christians have believed. Because the present day believer looks at the prosperity of this earth. The prosperity they own in this world are the sign of God's blessing. And they make the same mistake, the same mistake in judgment like the rich man did. Because they think that is the evidence that they will enter heaven. Now you understand why I came rebuking the gospel of prosperity. He's saying when you are in hell, you remember how you made the mistake to believe the gospel of prosperity that lacks holiness. And you remember it on a daily basis while you are in torment. You remember how you missed the opportunity to listen to the gospel, the pure gospel of the cross and the blood that was brought by the mightiest prophets of the Lord to restore the message of the cross, to restore the salvation in the church. He says when you are in hell, you, it will be alive to your memory, to your mind. You remember so well how you believed that the prosperity of this world, how you went to the churches that give you prosperity, preach to you prosperity, and don't preach to you righteousness, and don't preach to you holiness. You remember very well how you sold out, you bought into the gospel of prosperity and forgot the opportunity to grasp the message, the announcement on righteousness, on holiness, and the coming of the Messiah, and the need to prepare. You will remember that when you're in hell. Jesus lays it so clear here. Excuse me. And he says, when you get to hell, you will now realize, to come to life to you, like he did the rich man, that the riches and the wealth of this world are actually very deceptive, very deceitful and they bring people to complacency they are lull. they are just lull before the storm before the judgment you remember that very well that is what Jesus lays clear here in this scripture and he says while you are in hell you will remember too well very very well how the wealth of this world lied to you... and how your judgment... by failing to listen to the pure words of these two prophets... the prophets of righteousness... the prophets of holiness... you remember too well... how the riches of this world... the wealth of this world... were misjudged by you... for God's favor... you remember that very well... because you realize... oh... Who you did not have God's favor in all that wealth? The book of Mark, chapter 4, blessed people, Mark, chapter 4, what an awesome time in the church. The book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says the following. It says, Till others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The deceitfulness of the wealth of this world that is what the Lord Jesus raises so clearly. He exhorts that from this scripture. The warning of the wealth of this world. The warning of the deceitfulness of the wealth of this world. And he says that when people go to hell, when you will go to hell, those that will. When people go to hell, whoever goes to hell will vividly remember the deceptiveness, how deceitful the wealth of this world was to them, and lied to them. And they thought it was God's favor. And led them to a destiny, to an eternity of hell. In hell. The book of Matthew chapter 19, I'm reading verses 23 to 29. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich and wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, They were greatly disturbed and greatly astonished. And they asked, who then can be saved? Verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? Jesus said to them, "Truly, I tell you, at the renewal, regeneration of all things, at the revelation—well, now you're the king. When the revelation of the Lord comes, truly I tell you, at at the renewal, regeneration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me." And left all things will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and father and mother and wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and inherit the eternal life of God. Inherit eternal life. very powerful here the Lord is talking about this rich man who treasured wealth in other words Jesus is saying you can also find it in the book of Mark chapter 10 23-25 he's saying it is very hard very very hard for a wealthy man for a rich man to enter heaven but then when he's confronted by the disciples, then he says, look, it is impossible with man, but possible with God. In other words, it is very, very hard for a rich man to enter heaven. A wealthy man of this world. But it is not impossible. He says, it is possible. With God, they can enter. And this tremendous Message the Lord gave in the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19, verses 19 to 31. It's so powerful because there is so much information that this generation can use from this scripture to prepare the way, even as the Lord has sent me at this hour to announce the glorious coming of the Messiah. Even as he has shown me the people taken up into the kingdom of glory. And he says in this scripture, That God indeed loves the poor people. And the Lord is terribly offended and terribly angered when the rich people of this world abandon his poor people. That is again another message on how to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Another message coming out of this powerful scripture. Luke 16, 19-31. That the Lord loves the poor so much that He really hates it. He's offended. He's angered. When the wealthy people, when you that are living in this on this earth with some means, some good means, when you abandon and you neglect His poor people, the poor people. And He's saying, in other words, it's essentially saying, in other words, that when the Christians, those Christians, those people that go out of their way to present the grace, to present mercy, to present help, to present care, to present providence to the poor, they essentially do the work of Christ. They extend the work of Christ on this earth, to this earth. They essentially present The character of Christ in this generation. The personality of Christ to this generation. He loves the poor so much that when you help them, He says you are extending, you are essentially extending the goodness of Christ. The character of of Christ. The personality of Christ into this generation. You are presenting His image. How powerful, blessed people. Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40. It says, verse 34, He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. take the inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need your clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go out to visit you and care for you? Then the king replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, that you did for me. Very powerful, blessed people. So the Lord is using this scripture of Lazarus at that gate, looking for care, with wounds all over He's sick. He's not even feeling well. And the rich man is this idea, Parting, squandering his life on a daily basis. The Lord is looking at that way, that failure to care. To say that those, in other words, those that care, those that take time to care for the poor, those that are born again properly, they do take time to care. Those that bear the character of Christ, and are born again properly, saying, it is required of you to attend to the plight of the poor in this world. The poor in your midst. The poor in the church. It's amazing, blessed people, that Jesus is saying here, it is so shocking, that he's saying that when you Christians minister to the poor, you actually minister to Christ himself. Isn't that amazing? And he's saying that part of the identity of a Christian is to be able to minister to the plight, to the predicament of the poor. And that's why you see Abraham replies, the rich man, While he's in hell. He talks to him, and I read it for you again. Luke chapter 16, our reference scripture. There Abraham replies to him, it's quite amazing. And he says, verse 29, Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets there. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31, he said to him, If they do not listen to the prophets of the Lord, to Moses and the prophets, to Moses who can bring down the cloud of God in Kisumu, to Moses who can strike the earth, in such a dreadful way with coronavirus, Ebola virus, Zika virus, shut down the earth with coronavirus and strike the earth with locusts. And the prophet who can open heaven in Liverpool and bring rain, who can command heaven to open in Kakamega, instant rain in less than a minute. El Jorro, Kishi, repeated severally, is there do not listen to Moses and the prophet and the one representing the prophet Elijah then they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead even if Christ resurrected from the dead they will not be convinced even if Mama Rosa resurrects from the dead they will not be convinced even if Lazarus goes back they will not be convinced Look at that reply that Abraham gives to the rich man while he's in hell. In other words, the Lord Jesus wanted to underscore one very important fact, important point in that reply of Abraham to the rich man. He wanted to say that while you're on this earth here, while you're still alive on this earth, understanding and believing the instruction of the prophet believing the prophet understanding the prophet who come who are sent to minister to you here has a tremendous power and authority to activate faith in mankind that is why god sends the prophets That's why God Yahweh has sent me to the earth. Understanding, perceiving, believing the prophets of God sent to you has such tremendous key, is a key, has tremendous power and authority to activate the faith of mankind that mankind may believe the gospel and end up in heaven. In other words, the Lord Jesus in this scripture, as he brings out the narrative of the conversation between Abraham and the rich man, and the reply of Abraham to the rich man, the Lord Jesus was essentially saying that when the prophets come and they bring the revelation of God, the Revealed Word, and the revelation of the power of God, the revelation of the miracles of God, the wonders of God, He's saying, during the ministration of the prophet, bringing the revelation of the Word of God, the revelation of the power of God, the revelation of the miracles of God, the revelation of the wonders of God, He's saying, in that situation, that ministration of the prophet has tremendous power to turn the hearts of the unbelievers to serious believers who will have serious faith and avoid going to hell and enter heaven. He's saying in this conversation, in the reply, Abraham gives the rich man when he's in hell by saying they have the prophets there. Moses and the prophets. Moses and Elijah are down there. Let them believe them down there. The Lord is using that reply of Abraham to tell this generation that the ministration of the prophets has so much power and authority and key, ultimate power that can turn unbelief the believing world, into serious Christians of serious faith, a believer, into believers until they enter heaven. That's why God sent the prophet. In other words, the Lord Jesus wanted to relate to this generation the fact that listening to this prophet saves life And delivers man into God. Delivers man to God. That listening and obeying and honoring the prophet. Listening to the prophet. Listening to the instruction. Obeying the prophet. Obeying the instruction. Honoring the prophet. Respecting the prophet. Has so much power. To save life. The life of man or the whole earth and to deliver mankind, deliver all the nations, deliver all mankind to God in heaven, listening, obeying and honouring the prophet. So the question then is have this generation listened, obeyed, and honored this prophet speaking with you today? That is the indictment he wanted to bring in here. In other words, furthermore, the Lord Jesus wanted to bring this to the attention of this generation. That while God's children are on this earth, they will always suffer. There is suffering on this earth. And that suffering on this earth by God's children is inevitable for his people for as long as they are still in this world why? because he says this world is sinful that's why it's full of suffering and you see Lazarus representing God's people he suffers tremendously on this earth terribly representing God's people meaning it is normal for God's people to suffer on this earth Suffer blackmail, suffer physical torment, suffer tribulation, I mean, abuse, blackmail, slander, physical abuse, wounds, to suffer. He's saying suffering for God's children on this earth is inevitable. Why? Because they're in this sinful world, they live in this sinful world. The world is sinful. Another very important message the Lord wanted to bring forth here is that life on this earth must be understood, must be perceived in terms of its temporary nature. That life on this earth is temporary. Whether you are suffering, don't worry. It is temporary. Eternal life is coming. That it is profitable to invest into eternal life. That it is profitable to invest into eternity. To invest into eternity. That life on this earth is absolutely temporary. That's a very important point the Lord is raising there. That no matter what you go through, just be of good cheers. Just endure. Because he says, life on this earth is temporary. The book of James chapter 4 verse 14, it says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? Verse 13, it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That is what the Lord is saying in this tremendous scripture of Luke 16 19 to 31 and using it to help this generation know that please you need to prepare for your eternity you need to prepare to enter heaven that you may not suffer the fate of the rich man in other words he's saying at the point of death when mankind reaches the end of his life on this earth Only one factor, only one thing, only one benchmark, only one milestone is important as a standard. That at the end of your life, your short life, temporary life on this earth, only one thing will matter. Our relationship with Christ Jesus the Lord. The relationship you nurtured with God. And whether you listen to the instruction of God or not. But even as I begin to wind down, blessed people, there is a very important lesson the Lord Jesus brings forth in this scripture, which I want to finish with tonight. Because we have a big, big, big celebration here. The cloud of God has come to affirm to the nation that that is the prophet. Those are the prophets. Listen to them, and you'll enter the eternity of fellowship with God in heaven. And you'll enter the kingdom of glory. We are celebrating until the Messiah comes. We must worship and celebrate him, for he has visited. He has visited me. When I called him, he visited. So even as we prepare to go into that celebration, there is something so important that finally the Lord also brings up here. There are many more important important lessons and messages, messages, instruction essentially, that the Lord uses for preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah in this scripture. But because of time, I'll just touch one and then conclude this. The Lord also uses this tremendous life of Lazarus and the life of the rich man to underscore the following to you, this generation to whom I'm announcing the coming of the Messiah. The Lord is essentially saying that those who openly refuse the grace of Jesus Those who openly refuse to follow the scripture on righteousness, on holiness. Those who openly refuse to listen to these two prophets of God. Those who openly abuse and blackmail these two mega prophets of God. Openly. They are still in the other churches. They refuse to come out to listen to these prophets. Deliberately they say, No, I'll continue here. Even when I'm announcing, step out and stop listening, sitting under the teaching of false teachers, false prophets, false apostles. Come out. The cloud has come. He's saying go to deliberately and openly and publicly, intentionally, refuse to listen to God's message of the grace. God's instruction on righteousness. They inevitably are placing a request. A request before God. They are requesting God that He may allow them to live a life that is separated from Him, Jehovah. They essentially, either inadvertently, they inevitably, either inadvertently or deliberately, Telling God, please, please, just allow me to live a life on this earth separated from me. I don't want. I don't want holiness. I don't want to those prophets. I don't want righteousness. In other words, they are telling God that they are choosing to live a life on this earth. They are requesting God to allow them to live separated from Him. Separate from Him. But it's very shocking... What is most shocking in this scripture of Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, what is most astonishing is that God is very willing, very, very willing to grant their request, to honor their wish to live away from Him on this earth and even in eternity. That if you live away from the Lord while you're on this earth, you will also be granted the opportunity to live away from God in eternity. That means to be in hell and separated from Him. He will grant you that request. May the Lord bless you. The Messiah is coming. I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Be holy, blessed people. Receive the gospel and choose a holy Christian life. The Messiah is coming to the to the Prepare the way. Be righteous. Read the word. Repent. The king is coming. I have seen my Lord coming. I've seen the Messiah coming, the King of Glory. The glorious lamb of God is coming. Toda Shalom. Thank you, the Lord bless you. Bye bye. Shalom to Toda.